Duncan and both come correct. Hey there, all you honky tonk badonka donks. <laughs> I could I couldn't not start that way. Uh, uh, fucking Billy Ray Cyrus is played in this fucking episode. Oh yeah, my it, god, that's a thing that happened. Yes. Um, in, in maybe one of my favorite things I've ever seen on the X-Files, I have to admit. Yeah, it's we'll, definitely. We'll, we'll get into it. Um, so, uh, to paraphrase the, uh, the old classic rock song, five down, one to go, a couple of nerds talking about that X-Files show. <laughs> You're listening to Duncan and Bo come, uh, the X-Files, which is a name that is almost the filthiest podcast name. Um, yeah, we are we are exactly one word away <laughs> from that being truly, truly filthy. But in a lot of ways, it's kind of what we do. We uh, as we established in episode one, mm-hmm. uh, myself, you know, your co-host, Bo and Duncan is with us, of course, giggling. Of course, I, I would do nothing else on this. this. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, when I said last week that I, I think we'd done one of the most f- fun reviews of an X-Files episode, I think we may be able to top it this week. <laughs> we definitely have grist for the mill. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, like, episode three was was essentially us fawning over how good that episode was. Mm-hmm. Episodes four and five are not the pure joy of episode three, but there, mm-hmm. there are great things about them, and there are things that are absolutely head scratching. Um, so, uh, at any rate, we, we are, we are going to, uh, like, I feel bad because this is the penultimate episode of, of this particular run of shows. Mm -hmm. Um, it has been a delight that both the show and doing these recordings. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll do our, our, our touchy feely, uh, goodbyes on the next episode. And I'm also, um, I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. I'll, I'll throw this uh, up on the Facebook page, uh, which if you would like to join the conversation, legionpodcasts.com. Oh, uh, also facebook.com forward slash legionpodcasts. Uh, you can leave us messages there. So uh, if you would like to let us know, uh, as as some of our listeners have, uh, how they uh, are enjoying the show, then uh, please do. But I'm going to open it up to questions. Oh. So this is your official invitation if you are listening to this podcast. To, uh, to, to reach out on our Facebook page or even on the website, you can comment on the episodes, uh, themselves there. And I will assemble the questions from our listeners, uh, whether it be about our favorite X-Files episodes or, uh, you know, what, whatever, whatever it could be. If, what, what villain we would like to be. Something like that. Mm-hmm. But let's not put the, uh, <laughs> the, the mushroom trip ahead of the horse here. Um, <laughs> We are here to talk about uh, episode five of the six-episode return of the X-Files entitled Babylon mm-hmm. um, because I, uh, I enjoy doing so. So we're going we're gonna to walk through the episode uh, that uh, has given us um, some events that are, are occasionally awesome and occasionally incredibly perplexing. Um, <laughs> I All right, so... We begin with um, another kind of... Uh, all right, so the cold open. Let's just start there. Because mm-hmm. th- once more, the show has shown uh, that it enjoys being uh, far more gruesome than it has in the past. 
Yeah, yeah, there was there was a lot of a lot of people running around on fire at the start of this episode, Bo. Yeah, so we see, you know, a couple of young Muslim uh hunks um in their car and uh and they go into uh said museum and then, you know, bomb explodes and then we get a bunch of uh a, a bunch of people on fire. And it was actually like once more, it's kind of fun to see this show with really good effects. Yeah. Because it was like, holy shit, that's one of the coolest bomb explosions I've ever seen in in film or television history, I think. Yeah, I, I kind of thought back to the first season of the X-Files. There was the Irish guy that could set things on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's played by, uh, yeah. what's his name, Mark Strong? Yeah, and the the interesting thing about that episode was that the firework was not all that great. <laughs> and then you jump to... This episode, and we had about four or five people running around, like proper stunts people running around with flames. This is not CGI flame. People running around with flames for prolonged periods of time, like 10, 15 seconds, which is long for that sort of stunt. And it was, like once again, one of those beginnings that just grabs your attention, pulls you in, you get that Fox Presents logo, and then we're right into the, the opening credits. And I was like, right, this is, not knowing anything about this episode, the first thing I thought is, oh, right, back to being a seat. This is a serious episode. We're, we are covering, you know, jihadist terrorists. We are going to cover some serious, serious ground. And how wrong I was, Bo. <laughs> well, you're, but you were only half wrong. Yes, yeah, but like the previous episode, there's half of a very serious one, but this is juxtaposed with not necessarily like a, a weird trash man killer, um, just a really goofy side story, like almost kind of, it's like one of those comedy ones that we're talking about with, with the third episode, it's what they've kind of, they've side, sidled up beside on this one, Um a very powerful beginning though, like a really powerful scene, and when you see the after effects and the the clips just after the, the credits where you see what has happened to one of the surviving bombers the actual prosthetic work and imagery on that is gruesome as fuck like part of his head was caved in yeah. and he kept that in there and I thought prosthetically it looked it looked horrible it, it really really did capture my attention it was very gruesome and very in your face well I was born with a concave head uh, Duncan <laughs> and as uh, one of the concavious uh, which is what we're called. Uh, I felt that the show was insensitive. Uh, but no, you're right. It, it is like, oh my God, that guy got hammered in the noggin, but good. And then uh, you see, when you see him in the bed, he, one of his arms is missing and it's been very quickly, crudely stitched back to a stump and all the rest. And the camera does not shy away from any of that, which I thought, once again, very bold. Yeah, it was. I will. I will do you one better. I thought it was just cool, you know. Yeah. Like as a fan of effects work, um, yeah. The, like this whole run has been really good about that stuff. But this episode in particular, I thought like the the uh, where creature we a creature episode. <laughs> um, like the, the makeup is fine, but it's a little goofy. Yeah. And here we have, like, honest to goodness, you know, limbs rent asunder and whatnot. And uh, yeah, much trauma. Yeah, yeah. And much like the Home Again episode uh, uh, from last week, it yeah, there was definite like, oh wow, this is this is a little gory. Mm -hmm. You know, say it to me slower, X Files. <laughs> uh, so I do, I do like that stuff. I, I, you know, I, and as I get older, I realize. 
that I can now separate the gore hound in me from the film lover in me to a degree. <laughs> so that on the one level, I can I can just appreciate the effects and, and enjoy, you know, seeing fake massacre. You know, mm. the, the destruction of flesh and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, I, I, you know, I can also be like, you know, this is not always good. Um, so... And let's get into that. So we start off, uh, one, once we get done with the cold opening where people get, get blown to fuck, um, Mulder and Scully are kind of chit-chatting in the, uh, the X-Files office, the basement office, and one of the victory lap moments happens where um, somebody knocks on the door and, and Jillian Anderson is the one who gets to say, uh, no one here but the, uh, the FBI is most unwanted. Yeah. And Jillian Anderson, who, by the way, has my two favorite lines of the episode. And the first one is when uh, she says, I've been waiting 23 years to say that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of fun. And, you know, there's the quick exchange of like, well, how did it feel? It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's all good. And then we have we have our, the introduction of our two analogs to Mulder and Scully. Yeah. Uh, who are Miller and Einstein. Miller is the, the Mulder character. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have uh, the Scully analog, as played by Lauren Ambrose from Six Feet Under. Mm-hmm. Nice to see you again. Great to see her, actually. I'm a huge Six Feet Under fan, so um, it was really good, because I am not aware of seeing her in anything. She probably has done quite a lot of stuff. I can't remember seeing her in anything. So it was good to see her back. Yeah, yeah. Um, And her name is Einstein, and she she says, what, there's a distant relationship uh, between her and the the famous Einstein, uh, by which, of course, I mean the dog from Back to the Future. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i know i, know. I wondered about the, the gears were turning there to see how you were going to take that and, uh, yeah I, I appreciate that that's good <laughs> uh that that one's just for just for us some of these are just for us duncan um so it is the same dynamic as Mulder and scully and in fact you know they they take some pains to make them look alike you know they're both both Scully and Einstein are redheads and they're both um you know wearing the kind of dark pantsuits and the, and that kind of thing and uh all right will <laughs> I, I get the feeling that you <laughs> right i get the feeling did you have an issue with this cuz i i didn't at the end of the episode i don't like miller you are all right. All right, and and here's why. And I all right, I don't like Einstein because I think the the name Einstein's stupid, but I, I think she's a good character. Uh, and it, it it helps that you have somebody like Lauren Ambrose who showed on Six Feet Under that she has you know some substantial acting chops and all that. Mm-hmm. I felt like Miller was a pretty boy. Um, I I don't like David Duchovny as Mulder is so quirky and weird and. You know, the, just the, the manner in which he speaks is kind of flat and monotone. He almost sounds like a professor, but he also has this kind of dry wit about him. And I don't ever feel like I got that out of the Miller character. He just seemed like he was he was the believer without any of the other stuff that makes characters interesting. Yeah, I, I, 
I yeah, right. I would counter by saying that David Duchovny is he's an interesting actor in terms of how he plays Mulder. And that even from the start, there is a wry sense of humour, which, you know, is a very sarcastic, almost like a very British sense of humour about the Mulder character. Um, Like, right from the very start, you know, he knows how absurd he sounds to other people, but, you know, he believes in the conviction of what he says. Um, And you get that right from the very start, but Mulder's character has been, he was a profiler, went to Oxford, all the rest, um, but has been on the X-Files for a while. So he's used to having that sort of stuff. Miller comes from a different background, and to me, Miller is all, almost the kind of... How, how you would reboot that Mulder character for today's TV. If you know what I mean. You would never... David Duchovny would never... See, if the X-Files started now, and David Duchovny was the same age he was when he first cast as Mulder, he would never get the role. I, I think you're right about that, but I, I think that's also what makes that character feel not necessarily relatable, but at the very least engaging. Yeah. Oh, so no, that no, he's I, not just a lunatic. I totally agree. I See, there was two ways I approached this episode. Like The first is I had spoke to you already and said that on the original lineup of episodes, this was supposed to be episode two. And episode two was supposed to be episode five. And they changed it kind of last minute. They pulled you pulled the episodes. And I can see why they did that, because there's an introduction of two characters that are basically youthful versions of Mulder and Scully. The presumption would be that maybe, like a lot of us thought, they may pass the torch off to two new characters and this could be them. So by putting it so early in there, you know, that kind of has a detrimental effect. I also think that the last episode is going to be very... Like, next week's episode is going to be a very serious episode. Um, And the danger is that you have the second episode, which was a very serious episode, and then you put that along beside, you know, the the last episode. You have... It's too dark at the end. And I can kind of see why I didn't do that as well. But with these two characters, like, to me... By the end of this episode, I think what these two characters were supposed to to represent is how far Mulder and Scully have actually come as characters. Like, you know what I mean? In terms of, like, we, we almost get a glimpse, and yet you are right, he is a bit too much of a pretty boy, maybe not as sarcastic and cynical as, um, as young Mulder was. But when you see how those characters start when they walk into the X-Files office and the kind of tender moment the two characters share at the airport at the end is very indicative of how Mulder and Scully are now, which was, at the beginning, it was very, you know, this is my job, I'm here to debunk you, you know, I am science and all the rest, and by the end of it, they have some really tender moments. I mean, it's no accident that the end of this episode ends with the two of them holding hands. Um, And there is a sweet sentiment that's going past them. Um... That that to me that is the purpose of these characters. The purpose of these characters is to almost offset and remind you of how far our characters have come um, in their relationship. Um, I, I mean, there's, I don't think there's any. Once again, there's anything. Uh, sometimes the X Files can be quite on the nose with things. I mean, Einstein even says at one point, "Well, she clearly she's clearly in love with him. Why else would she stay doing this?" Like job, which is beneath a scientist, 
if she didn't love him, she clearly loves him. Um, and you know, there's these are questions that I've always come up through the X Files is to to what extent do the two characters actually love each other? Um, so well, they, they got married. They did, yeah. And to me, that's that that is the purpose of those characters. Was it handled perfect? No. Um, could they have cast the characters better? Maybe. Um, maybe they could have cast Miller better, but. I, to me, like I said, if you're gonna if you're gonna try and put a modern version of those two characters together, it would never be like Mulder. It would they don't write characters like that anymore. Like in modern modern TV, it would never be that. Even even like if you watch any TV show now, your your main male character is never one that is kind of quirky looking. They're never quirky looking. They're always they look like they've just stepped right out of a GQ GQ magazine, you know. It's and that's to me what Miller was. And then we find out a bit more about Miller's background. It kind of makes sense. Ex-military man served in Iraq. I can't imagine him having the quirky nature, or you know, like that that, that Mulder has. Um, the only thing that he, he shares in common is this desire to believe in and other things that are out there. Um, I think the biggest crime of this episode is we didn't get... We kind of swapped the characters over, so Scully ended up with Miller and Mulder ended up with Einstein, which and which did lead to some really fun stuff between Mulder and Einstein, but I would have loved to have seen more Miller and Mulder, you know, of, like... He's obviously his brains open to to these things, and Mulder just filling him with conspiracy, you know, just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. you know, like totally blowing his mind with conspiracy. And we didn't get that. But then we've got forty five minutes. We've got a jihadist story going on here, um, and we're carrying over some of the themes from the previous episode um, in terms of Scully's, like. The, whatever she's holding um, and this idea of loss and and all the rest which also when I, the more I was thinking about it would have made things a bit weird in the original show run um, of having this at episode 2 because they mentioned she's had loss recently and while she doesn't necessarily no she does actually refer to her mum so, yeah she does she does so I wonder I, if they did reshoots or something yeah I would imagine there probably has been a bit of reshoot so yeah I, I completely see what you're saying it, that aspect wasn't the straw that broke the camel's back for me in terms of those two characters. That kind of came later on. Okay, but we are dealing with a camel with a broken back. Yeah, there's, there are certain elements in this episode where, yeah, I, I, I thought it, it, it wasn't it wasn't very well written, um, which is surprising because this one is directed by Chris Carter and written by Chris Carter. So this is like this is his return back to doing everything, and um, it I, it wasn't a very Chris Carter episode actually overall. It was surprising how how removed from that it was. So yeah. So anyway, they arrived. Yeah. Well, keep in mind that <laughs> hey, Chris it, Carter. Was, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he also did the X Files movies. So. I don't mind the first movie. The first movie is okay. The first movie fits within the canon of what's happening in the next films. And then after that in the series, they deal with the fallout of that movie, which I can totally live with. That second movie sucks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, yeah. like, let's not pretend that... <laughs> Chris Carter is some, you know, Vince Gilligan-esque writer who seems to be able to do no wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, at any rate. <laughs> so, 
So, um, I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm just imagining Chris Carter's version of Breaking Bad and it's cracking me up. <laughs> I would love to see David Duchovny in the Walter White role if, if for no other reason than how significantly, you know, things like, uh, um, what is my name? Yeah. Or, you it, know, it, say it, my it, name. He is kind of the, the Walter White character and everything except making meth in the movie Zoolander. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's, he's Walter White, we're here. Um, um, and we'll and do our, our Zoolander cast later. Um, <laughs> I can't wait to read out the googly. Um <laughs> All right, all right, so yeah, so we pair them off, and and so Miller and Einstein come to Mulder and Scully uh, because Miller's theory is or is looking for a path to question our uh, concaviest, uh, who is you know obviously kind of a vegetable because it turns out if you bash someone's skull in. Uh, it doesn't do wonders for their ability to answer questions or not poop themselves. Mm-hmm. So um, Mulder, uh, basically they both say like, hey, we can't, we don't really have an answer for you. And then Scully goes to Miller and says like, hey, here's this thing that I've been reading about. I wish I thought of it when, you know, my mom was dying because of you know the mystery of the the quarter on the necklace and other things of course but um so they're going to basically attach um an EEG machine mm-hmm. up to the dude and they're going to talk to him and in theory he can respond yes or no based on brainwave patterns um so that's their plan and so uh Scully fucks off once again in this episode to to Texas to go try her EEG experiment with Miller. (laughs) During which time Einstein shows up in Texas and is going into um, the, uh, uh, the hospital room and sees that Miller and Scully are there. So she gets all green eyed with jealousy or something. I, I never felt like that made a whole lot of sense. Yeah, you know, of like, well, if Scully's with him, I'm gonna get with Mulder. Yeah, but I, at first I, th- yeah, it was it was a weird. At first, I thought what she was doing was she was jealous that he was spending time with Scully, so she was going to bring Mulder in as a distraction. But then that was kind of un un now that unraveled pretty quickly as soon as she produced the the quote unquote mushrooms. Because um, I was like, what exactly? are we now doing i don't understand yeah i don't understand and that's what that, that's what was one of the things that frustrated me is that felt forced really forced as to why because up until that point einstein has no interest i mean she's almost offended when she speaks to Mulder earlier on and she's like you know i don't want to be anywhere near you you'll never see me again i'll never be near this door and then all it takes is to see her partner with Scully, and then she's like, oh yeah, I totally come out to Texas. This is gonna be great, and um, yeah, yeah. It, was, that, it seemed very strange, right? Right. Like if I saw you with with another podcaster, then I wouldn't go run into Vaz. 
<laughs> Mostly because I'm a little afraid of him. Everyone's afraid of Bob. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it seems like a weird reaction to the situation, but, you know, for whatever reason, we got to get these two together. Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime, we also have, um, you know, the Homeland Security question mark showing up. Um, and I guess the idea here is that, you know, this is much like Home Again, a very politically minded episode for parts of it. <laughs> yeah, our, our buddy Mr. Soapbox made made more than one appearance here. <laughs> right. Mr. Soapbox closes out the show, God bless him. Um, but he he shows up here because <laughs> uh, somebody wants to murder... Um, the yeah, eye for eye for an eye for an eye. So basically, he's done this. He survived. Why should he be allowed to survive when he's murdered innocent civilians? We can just pull the plug and kill him. Right. Good old fashioned Texas justice. Mm-hmm. You know, not just an eye for an eye, but let's you know l- let us make sure that we do this for the most stereotypical of reasons, which is yes, I'm in Homeland Security. I've been vetted psychologically and physically. But I kind of hate brown people. Yeah, but yeah, there's like, there's a lot of sequences in this hospital where people are saying things which you know it's just as 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 social commentary coming out in the form of very crude sentences and very poor acting. This is the bit that ruined it for me. Like they like they those as characters at first when the when the nurse comes yes. in. And she switches the machine off, and then when Mulder and Einstein shows up, and she goes on this racist tirade, um, which is basically, it, it sounded like sound clips from Fox News, which is ironic considering Fox put out the X-Files, um, where she just goes through these basically generic sound bites of, of Islamophobia, um, which sounded crude, it didn't really make sense, she would never be a nurse if that was the case. Like the, the hip, Hippocratic Oath. Keep uh, in mind, this is Texas, Duncan. It's a whole different set of rules down there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm fine with saying that. I did listen to a podcast recently uh, called Criminal, where they covered the case of they have a very famous tree in Texas that was poisoned. Um, and the person that poisoned it, like this tree dates back to the, the actual signing of the declaration of the creation of Texas or something. Um, it goes back to Indian times, really, actually. Um, and the person that was found out to do this was prosecuted and locked away for, like, I think 10 years or something for putting poison down near a tree. Texas justice. And people were saying at the time that he should have hung from the gallows. So, and this is only 10 years ago. So, yeah, I, I, get, I get that. I get that. But what she's coming out and saying does not seem... Does not make sense to me coming out of a nurse's mouth. Yeah, I agree with you because the whole idea is that you're there to help people. You know, yeah, like regardless your, your job is to heal. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's the regardless, you, your job is not to judge. Your job is to heal. Um, so the words coming out of a nurse, her mouth, if it come out of another character's mouth, totally understand that. Coming out of a nurse's mouth makes no fucking sense. Yeah. All right. So this also leads to characters saying things like. Uh, and like Scully and and Miller, Scully in particular, unfortunately, um, like Jillian Anderson does her best with with these lines, but she has to say things like, "Well, you know, that's just some Muslims and and that kind of thing." And it's, 
I, I get it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're all on board with the idea that there are Islamic extremists that make the world an, an interesting place in a bad way. Yeah. But we just don't need to hear these characters debate this issue on the show. Like use that as your backdrop. That's fine. But you don't have to, you know, Mr. Soapbox doesn't have to pop up yeah. every every 90 seconds and be like, hey, remember, some Muslims, some, some Muslims are A-OK. Got that, kids? But the thing, the thing that confuses me as well is that there is a TV show that does that incredibly well, and that's Homeland. Homeland has, like, like 10 episodes a season to pinpoint focus on the war against terror, um, radicalization of Islam's, yeah, or, or Muslims, or, you know, it, 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 it has the perfect time to do that, and it it does carry through those messages, and it looks at them in interesting ways, and who who are friends and foe, and how they can be changed, and all the rest. And as a show dedicated to that, this is some very very heavy fucking shit to put into a forty five minute episode, which is about to have a mushroom trip. Um, you know, it just seems it it kind of it's it's an important message that is it's almost like this important message is kind of being put over by like some sort of preschooler in a, a like a school play you know you know standing up on stage and you know the state I'm going to talk about is Texas Texas was for you know this is kind of it, that's the way the dialogue is delivered in these sections and it's it's poor it is like really 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 poor and you're right scully haven't that scully would never say those words she's a fucking scientist a doctor scientist you know what i mean like she they, they mentioned earlier on that she wrote a dissertation on fucking einstein she wouldn't say those words it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense as, as and chris carter who created the fucking characters should know that he should know that he should know that better than anyone yeah, yeah. And, all right, but I will say in defense of these scenes. Oops, I spilled I spilled my water bottle, Duncan. That's that's how angry you are. You're I am I am livid. You're like um, oh, fuck this computer and recording, pouring it all over your computer. I, the one moment in the in the you know handful of scenes that we get with Scully playing essentially she is the mouthpiece of Chris Carter, who see his political ideology seems a little bit stunted. Like, I don't think it's misguided. I just don't think it's very deep. And, and, you know, like you were saying about Homeland and having time to explore these ideas, if you don't have the time to do it right, just don't do it, please. Um, But anyway. But the thing is, they've handled, like, the the X-Files has handled important subject matter in a 45-minute episode. The key to doing it is, like... Know your audience, know your message, and understand that you are a science fiction TV show with characters that are known for certain bents and their their you know their the way they act and the way they they behave, and deliver that message through them. Don't try and bite off a huge like this is like this is like a red button topic like at the moment more than anything and ironically they mentioned about shipping um it's like 200 uh like refugees into their state to do that and that i think this episode was maybe made before america committed to receiving syrian 
refugees, which is now definitely a red button issue. It's a red button issue in the UK, all over the place. You know, this threat of do they bring terror with them? These are important things, and the X Files kind of toys with it, like it's like it's just like something that can just like segue into an episode and throw away at the end with a like a like a, a closing like a Jerry Springer's closing statement by Mister Soapbox, um, and that, that it doesn't work that way. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of to me it backfires for the show, like it completely backfires. It's funny because we were saying last week. The the stuff was the serious stuff with Scully and her mum and Mulder and all the rest was a really interesting aspect and the trash monster was a kind of goofy bit that was flung in there that kind of felt like it didn't need to be there but it was there and you know it was pretty cool but it was all right and this episode is the other way around the serious nature the serious story is completely throwaway doesn't need to be there at all and the goofy stuff that they do. In this episode, the Mulder montage in the middle of this episode is 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 where this episode's at. It's it's where it's fun, it's playful, it lets Mulder be David Duchovny of twenty sixteen. You know, <laughs> a guy who is well worn, very sarcastic, and you know, a funny guy. He's a right. funny actor. It allows him to really shine in that role, and all the different characters bouncing off them. That is great. The serious message in this one is—it's it's almost offensive in how bad it's handled. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it, it, it's it, like if you were watching The Simpsons and Grandpa just went on a tirade about the murders in Ferguson, Missouri. Yeah, it, it, it's that kind of dissonance where you're like, "Wow, okay," it, but but also it's not. It's not that it's the right stage for it. You just have to have a lighter touch. And that's not agreed. what Chris Carter does. Yeah, yeah, I agree, agreed. Uh, had they handled it in maybe a more quirky way and maybe less of a grand message, kind of centralize yeah. the message. Like, it really does, it's, it, it kind of puts forward a very crude defense as to how the world now look at Muslims post 9-11. Um, it's, it's a it's a huge it's a huge message that is not it's not well thought through at all and it, it reflects that the character's very clumsy dialogue or defense to certain things or condemnation of other things kind of taken both sides it does it, it, i mentioned jerry springer it does kind of feel like a jerry springer argument you know what i mean it, it kind of feels like chris carter is almost mediating between two you know uh, <laughs> two trailer park couples that have been. You know, that's, yeah, it's, it's, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't work. It, well, it really doesn't work. The people who want to ke- kill Shiraz in the episode, uh, who is our, our terrorist, mm-hmm. um, are too villainous, and the defense about Muslims, I think, is too naive. Yeah, because it's not just you've got the look at it both ways. This is like you have one group of people that want him to die. Right, they're wanting to, you know, pull the plug and all the rest. Then you have the weird FBI agent who wants him to live to suffer. So, you know, he pops his head and he's like, hey, you keep him alive as long as possible. <laughs> right, uh, right. Yeah, so, if you so, put some under his fingernails, do that. 
Yeah, it's, you know what I mean? This is like, so then you have that side of things. Then you have a nurse delivering. They come over here and they they, they took our jobs. They took the job. Yeah, yeah, oh, it is, yeah, oh, it is a real they took our job situation. With she this said nurse. that they come over here and take our jobs. That's that is the word she come out of. And I, I'm instantly back to South Park. They took our jobs. Yeah. Um, so she says that and then she's like hey, we can't trust them and they're over here and they're taking our houses and all this and I'm like right you're not the character that should be saying this and those words that you're saying are pretty bad you know I'm like I just, I, yeah, she's a half step away from the twirly mustache again god yes and it, it's, it's frustrating because I know the X-Files can do I know the X-Files can deliver like a poignant message and can do it really well. I, I I know they can do it really well. And what's even more frustrating is, it's only six ep- they ha- it's only six episodes they had to write for this, so that they can't hide behind the excuse of well, it's twenty four episodes. We're writing twenty four episodes. You know, a couple of episodes are going to be a bit you know wishy washy or whatever like that. All you had to do was six episodes. And Chris Carter, you didn't write all six episodes. You wrote maybe three. You maybe wrote that first one, this one, and I would imagine probably the closing episode, the ne- next week's episode. So you had to write three episodes. And let's face it, that first episode is pretty poorly written. And this episode is pretty poorly written. Yeah, yeah. And you know so, that this was him, you know, because he he, he has an axe to grind about this subject. But like I said, it comes across as a very naive view of the subtleties of things like you know, the the rage of youth and funneling that into, you know, extremism and, and, and that sort of thing. And it's like, it's like that, it's like that racist relative that you have that says, well, I don't know much about this, but I can tell you. And you're like, what? So you don't like, uh, you know, you don't know anything about the, poli- I don't know anything about the political climate over there, but I'll tell you this. So yeah, so basically you've, you you know nothing about it, but you have an opinion on it. Well, that's fucking great. I can't wait to hear that sure as well thought it and backed up with points and studies and history and you know it, it did it so immensely frustrating because like i say we jump into a sequence in the middle of this where einstein like brings scully through uh, Mulder through Mulder arrives she gives him what Mulder thinks is a capsulized version of these mushrooms and then Mulder goes on a trip and the trip is fucking amazing in this episode yes. it's shot incredibly it's acted phenomenally it's full of that weird trippy like remember when Mulder died and then the Indians brought him back and it was all like it was like a scene from the Lion King where all these people were up in the, the clouds like going Mufasa, you know, Simba. Um, it, it, it went, it went batshit crazy in the best possible way, and we got tons of fucking cameos, and it was awesome. Minus Billy Ray Cyrus, breaky breaky heart can go and fuck itself hard. I I would never have pictured you as someone who is not a fan of that song, but you know, <laughs> I, I don't like country music. I hate country music. All right, I mean, but Hillary Cyrus isn't really country music as well. He's like pop country, which offends me even more that someone would try and make it even more popular than it is. Well, all right, we'll jump into the 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 crazy fever dream yeah, of Mulder he says- here in a second. But um, <laughs> the, before uh, before I forget to say it, and before I was so rudely interrupted by your quite salient points about the episode, um, <laughs> there's a line that during all this you know yammering about. Uh, extremism and racism and stuff. When somebody brings up the uh, 72 virgins 
And Scully says, <sighs> oh, that sounds like torture. And that was the moment where I was like, you know what? I hate this scene, but I love that line. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that line is great, but it doesn't merit what you've had to sit through and get. Yeah. That, that seems like Scully. You know, that's like, absolutely that seems like Scully. Why was Scully saying the dumb stuff before when Scully is clearly is clearly above that? Um, so, yeah, Mulder takes the capsule um, and she <laughs> Einstein leaves him for all of two seconds. And when she turns around, Mulder is gone. And then we're on the party bus, the soul train, <laughs> the soul train right in the middle of this hospital is fucking amazing. Well, we didn't even say why. All right. I'm sure you've seen the episode listeners, but if you haven't, the reason he's doing this is because he believes if he goes on a psilocybin based spirit journey, mm-hmm. he can communicate with uh it, it's two approaches you know uh, scully's trying to do the eg thing Mulder's trying to trip his balls off and that's what's going to get him uh in a position to question shiraz are concavious terrorists yeah that is basically engage him on a different spiritual plane oh uh, yes and and like you said all he goes. <laughs> yeah, he goes off. <laughs> it's fucking brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Because first we get like this montage scene of him kind of walking down to the small halls, almost wanting to high five people, and he's in his party mood. And... Right, waving at cars as they almost hit him. Yes. <laughs> and then he ends up in this bar, and uh, Billy Ray Cyrus is playing in it. And at this point, I wanted to pierce my eardrums with knitting needles. Um, but I, I soldiered through only to be hit with the fucking honka-tonk badonka wow, fucking horrible song I, that is. I, I gotta tell you, man, I live in Nashville. I did not know that was a real song. I'd see, I do the Midnight Horror Show along with someone who parodies that song a lot. So I knew it existed. I've never heard the original version and I hate it. <laughs> it's, it's really bad. But the one oh. thing that this scene taught me, uh, or, or the scene in the bar in particular, is that I dance as well as David Duchovny. <laughs> Yeah, you get, I, 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 like see when I walked in and the music was playing, I was like, "Don't you dare fucking line dance! Don't you dare!" Oh, you're, oh, right. Well, we have a line dancer here. Yeah, yep. ladies and gentlemen, we have a line dancer here, and he's like, he's, he's, yeah. It was funny to watch. Mister Soapbox's old pal, Mister Line Dance, showed up in this scene. <laughs> yeah, he's like that. Woohoo! We got a hold down. Um, he's just ah. Oh, it kind of reminded me of all the best qualities of Hank Moody. He basically becomes Hank Moody. Like he's out his tits. He's fucking. He's doing the line dance, and then we click clicked a scene of him sitting at a table, and it's like something from a fucking Jay Z music video. He's sitting there. He's fucking. He's these these words on his his hands, and he's like he's it's blank. Mu- mushroom. In yeah. in uh like a mush across the the right <laughs> fist, room across the left, like like he's you know Lil Wayne. And then the camera pans out, and the fucking lone gunmen are there, as well as uh it, you know Agent Skinner. Yeah, Skinner Skinner's there in a cowboy hat. Yep, yep. Which was quite amusing. That did make me laugh, and I quite liked seeing Skinner there because I was like, I've not seen Skinner in a couple of episodes. It's good to have Skin- Mitch Pelagie like yep. him. Welcome M- back most- to the show, Mitch Pelagie. I imagine next episode we're going to get. I imagine we're going to get quite a bit of him as well as the other guy we're about to talk about. Um, but yeah, so we get um, the lone gunmen are back there at the table. They're partying down. Great to see them. None of them have aged at all. That that <laughs> that was quite scary. They all yeah. look identically the same age. Um, 
I, I imagine that's what I imagine that's what happens when no one's calling you for work, Bo. Um, not, yeah, they they were not working high stress jobs. <laughs> yeah. I, and God bless them. I hope they were just living off X Files residuals and growing their own marijuana. But uh, who it knows? Was a, it was a great throwaway thing for anyone that didn't follow the X Files all the way through. They they spectacularly were killed in an episode, and that was the end of the Lone Gunman. Um, and then they got a spin off. TV show which lasted one season because um, Chris Carter and his infinite wisdom as we can tell by the writing in this episode went you know what people want they want an entire episode of the lone gunman solving crimes like the fucking Scooby Doo gang yeah. and then, it, it's it, like if when, when Don Knotts would appear on Scooby Doo yeah. and you would be like hey great Don Knotts is here I don't need to see the animated adventures of Don Knotts I just like when he shows up on Scooby Doo yeah, let, let me let me uh, let me put forward a, a, a statement here. How many spin-off TV shows are actually truly successful? Better Call Saul. Right, that's one. Um, Frasier's the obvious one. Frasier became Frasier. Uh, um, what was the one from uh, Lou Grant from the Mary Tyler Moore show? Yeah, I don't know that one. That seems very American. <laughs> it, it is very American. It's also very old, like me. Um, yeah. You know, uh, I mean, there. Yeah, there, to your point, there have been some. Sure, it's very rare that it works out. For every um, Fraser, you get a Golden Palace, or you get a Joey. A Joey. Oh man, you don't want a Joey. Well, that's what I mean. You know what I mean? When you when you're sitting there, when you're doing Friends, and Friends finishes, and they're like, "Man, does anyone want a spin off?" And Joey's the one that comes up, and they're like, "Everyone loves Joey. Joey's funny. He's you know, he's a ladies' man. We could totally do like a kind of two and a half men style TV show of him living with it, you know, with these younger people. And Joey's the older one, and all the rest, and it'll be really, really funny." And he watched that first episode, and I, I legitimately watched that first episode, and I was a big. Friends fan. I watched that first episode and I thought pulling my toenails out with pliers and masturbating myself with a cheese grater would be more enjoyable than watching this. Well, I like that for other reasons, but yeah. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. a Friday, Duncan. Uh, <laughs> right, so that's that... a Friday Bo special. Uh, number but, you know, it's... On the, the, the Wong's Mrs. Palace menu. Uh... <laughs> oh, God, she is. She has very calloused hands. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, it's like if you eat chili, and it's like, man, the paprika in this is wonderful, but yeah. you don't want to just turn up a bottle of paprika in your mouth. No, and of that's, course. And that's the lone gunman problem. That's, but, the, lone, that's the lone gunman. Like, that's, that, that speaks volumes to, to Chris Carter's, like, judgment at times. Um, but they show up, and it's cool to see them, and it's a, as once again, it's a great wink and a nod to... And that that basically is just a wink and a nod to old school X Files fans, and I liked that. I thought that was cool. We then get a clip of him on basically what looks like the robot um, going to like crossing when you die. The river uh, sticks, yeah. And, yeah. Oh God, Duncan Tom Waits is playing. Do you understand how happy that made me? Well, that made me happy because I thought it almost makes up for the fact that I had to listen to Honky Tonk, but Donkey Donk. So. You know what I mean? It's almost made up for it. Not quite, but almost made up. I can now forget because Tom Waits is playing. And the smoking man's there, and the smoking man is old as shit. You have not aged well, sir. <laughs> well, know? but the man is 112 years old, Duncan. 
he's Mr. Burns. Uh, so yeah. and he, he, he makes a couple of comments. And then Mulder sees at the edge of a boat a woman he doesn't recognise holding the, the, the body of Shiraz and Shiraz seems to be trying to mouth something to him, but Tom Waits is playing and I'm good with that. Um and he he kinda wakes up from his vision. And he's in hospital and Mitch Pilegi's waking him up. And I love this as well. And you know, the first thing he says to Skinner is what happened to your cowboy hat? Yeah. Uh, which that's is a fucking, great line. Which yeah. is great. Einstein was also in his his vision. Einstein was a dom- dominatrix that had him on what looked like uh, one of those slabs he used for the alien abductions. I think that was supposed to be a bit of fun at both. Um but yeah, so he, he's and you know, Skinner tells him, Listen, you, you you went off the rails and all the rest, you're an embarrassment to the FBI, all the rest. Um and Einstein tells Mulder that she actually only gave him some off over the counter medicine. There was no magic mushrooms. So basically the the assumption is that he's playing it up for attention. Which once again I thought was pretty funny. I thought that was pretty cool. I thought, this is the best bit of the episode. I will be surprised if anything topped this. And guess what? Nothing tops this. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I was right with my statement. Um, so, yeah, so so we get through that side of things. It's a, bit of, it's a bit of levity to the episode, which it sorely needed. It's a bit of silliness, which it sorely needed. And it's just a shame it finished there. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, there's a little bit of a Wizard of Oz bit of like you were there and you were there and <laughs> all that stuff. And that was really fun. And then, you know, we go uh, out of the hospital and lo and behold, uh, Mulder recognizes the older woman uh, standing outside the hospital doors. Yeah. And it turns out that this is Shiraz's mother. And then Mr. Soapbox shows back up because she has to say some stuff about how she raised her, her son to be, um, you know, that Allah uh, was, was about love and not death. And once again, it's like Chris Carter. I get it. I really do. Yeah. You know, you know all that was missing from this is our opening the curtains to see a giant fucking neon sign light in the back sky saying not all muslims are terrorists right right like the amount of of mr soapbox appearances in this episode oh, made yeah. him the highest earning actor yeah he was top villain <laughs> yeah. he was above the and anderson in this episode this is his episode well it you really don't know is this is his story you know but it was nice that we at least introduced him in home again so I that when he we'll... showed up, it wasn't like, "Hey, where did Mister Soapbox come from?" No, 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 he's been here all along. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't get Whiplash being introduced to the, you know, the this new character. Is this, is this, right. the, is this the third agent in the X Files? First they, <laughs> for, first they had Crychick, then they had fucking Doggett. Now they have, now they have Agent Soapbox. <laughs> right here to tell. Here to tell you very explicitly how you should feel about these subjects. He's like he's like the he's like a Captain Hindsight in South Park. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He tells he's basically useless. He tells you how you could have avoided what has already happened. That is basically <laughs> right. Mr. So the Agent Soapbox um is the worst FBI agent ever because he is constantly politically correct and constantly you know, he's like correcting everyone. He's two steps away from his his uh, his twin brother, who is uh, 
who's agent um <laughs> agent punctuation um who goes around <laughs> making sure that everyone you know puts it in the right place uh, and they they you know only got into the force well because their <laughs> their um their father uh, who, who was also an agent he was a uh, acting director grammar um was there to make sure everyone spoke in the right sure. tone yeah. The right words. So yeah, they're, they're a family of know-alls, really. I actually don't like any of them. Uh, your Agent Soapbox, I'm glad he is back in this episode, but I think he overstayed his welcome. I think um, he is trying to push an agenda, which I think is a bit too preachy. That's all I'm saying, Mr. Do you think, do you think his father, uh, Captain Grammar, died the day that Twitter was launched? <laughs> <laughs> he's he's like he's like oh, I'm gonna try and hold on as long as possible, and they're like, but it only allows you to type out in 140 characters. And he's like, pull the plug, pull the plug. <laughs> right, right. As soon as somebody used you are for your, he was just done. <laughs> I don't want to live in this world, right? Anymore. Yeah, they this... took the cops way out. He put a gun in his mouth and blew his brains out. <laughs> <laughs> the only way he's like he's, he's uniform he's fucking he's like dressed up in full fucking police gear like the full thing all his medals and all the rest and Eddie's revolver yeah and, and it's just in his hand is a phone with a tweet from Kim Kardashian on it <laughs> it was just like a series of tweets from Kanye West uh-huh. trying to get Mark Zuckerberg yeah. um, announcing the, that they named their child North and he just oh, that was, yeah, that ate was, a he, bullet he, he did that then he did it then now he just couldn't take it anymore um, and fair, fair, fair play to him because I thought I thought the same um, <laughs> I think the reason that we're talking more about uh, Captain Grammar here than the end of this episode, because until you get to the end of the episode, a bunch of stuff happens that you couldn't possibly care about. Oh, yeah. Like, this is, like, fucking absolutely. Because in between all these weird things that are happening, we're getting these cut shots of these militant... um, Muslims yeah. who are strapping their stuff. Most of whom are really good, Duncan. I don't want you to forget that. Yeah, who are strapping their stuff. You're being preached by this one really bad man um, who who had a beard and moustache but wasn't twiddling any of them. Um, and he he is, you know, preaching this, you know, you would you go to a better place and this is for, you know, this is for Allah and all. He's like preaching all this hate. But these, these guys are just innocent. And um, we're getting all these clips of this. So eventually Mulder remembers... That he was spoken to in Arabic or whatever the language was, um, and it just so happens that Miller earlier on had mentioned that he could speak it, and so he works out what is and basically what they say is the Hotel Babylon, which is where the the name of the episode comes from, Babylon, um, and yeah, the the agents all run, well, all the FBI and all that show up, breaking the door and arrest them all. Um, and take them away. And then we have this kind of, kind of sweet-ish interaction between Miller and Einstein, where you can kind of see the start of something, which is very similar to the what we saw at the end of the very first pilot episode of the X Files. Of there is a bit of a spark there. There's a bit of an understanding. There's a bit of an existential question, um, kind of, kind of posed there. And then we jump to. Mulder and Scully, and Scully shows up at Mulder's shack, 
um, which is double be shandy. He's fucking... Just stocked with nothing but Lee donuts. <laughs> it looks like it's about two steps away from being one of those like fucking huts in District Nine. I was just waiting for one of the prawns to go past them. Um, <laughs> it's like really fucking horrible, horrible place he lives. He's like right on. Like, right, we get it, Chris Carter. He's a beaten, downtrodden man. The system, the system won. Is that what you want to hear? The man won. Yeah, there, um, there are aliens out there, Scully. Yeah, they're your neighbors, Mulder. <laughs> so she shows up. They have a kind of sweet interaction where they kind of pothos the a very similar sort of existential question, which I liked because I like the thing about the, the thing that annoyed me the most about this episode is how much time Scully and Mulder spend apart. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Like the the last scene, I I still felt it was a little didactic and all that, but I would agree with that. Yeah, but it it kind of goes down easier when it's Mulder and Scully bouncing these ideas off of one another. Yeah, um, yeah, it's you know because they're talking about God and you know Scully is saying things like you know you 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 shouldn't raise a child in hate and things like that yeah. and you know mr soapbox is pocket up popping up behind the weeds like uh, is it my turn yet and they're like just stay you're he's, he's stay like right there he's oh no 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 mr soapbox is in the bushes speaking through a recording device into an earpiece in scully's ear now <laughs> yeah. tell him that we shouldn't raise kids in hate we shouldn't raise kids in hate now, right what next it's like you know uh, you know and that's basically that yeah that's he's exactly. the cyrano de bergerac of this episode <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah and she she puts that but the message coming from her even though it is a clunky message in the confines of Mulder and scully and the kind of tender moments they do share on screen i can I, that's a pillar can swallow you know what I mean? I can swallow yeah. that pill. I can't... Sw- like, you separate... In this episode, you separate our two characters that we're actually watching the show for, um, which we'll only, we'll only have six episodes of them together, so let's try and maximise the time they're together. We put them with two versions of each other, which are, like, younger versions. I think maybe to highlight how far the characters have maybe progressed or not progressed. I'm not entirely sure about that aspect. Like I say, the, their end sequence is, I think, to, supposed to show how far Mulder and Scully have come as characters. And I kind of get that. Once again, don't think it's the best, um, the the better way of doing it. I think it's, it's okay. Um, and the episode finishes, but yeah, I'll, I'll go on record. This is my least favourite episode. Um all right, well, that's not right, but we'll get there. Um, yep. <laughs> no, I, I think I think I'm justified with this. I don't think uh, a five minute trip sequence in the middle of this episode merits it being better than the first episode. I don't think that's I don't think that's fair. If it was if I, if it was just that five minutes, then yeah. But there's there's some horrible horrible dialogue that surrounds this, which like I load that first episode for being like crammed full of nonsense or whatever. It was better written than this one by quite a bit. I, I'm not, I'm not telling you you're wrong yet. Uh, yeah, but I, but I, but you're, you're, yeah, you're kind of wrong. Um, but I, one thing I did like, uh, is the, the book ending of this episode where they talk about the, um, you know, the sound of trumpets heard. Yes. And, and and the very, very end of this episode is Mulder hearing the, the trumpets and Scully doesn't, which is a surprisingly, 
not subtle, but it's subtle for Chris Carter <laughs> that yeah. uh, of like, well, here's this more ambiguous kind of ending that follows the discussion of God. Yeah. And, and I like that. I, yeah, uh, I thought, well, once again, I thought that was, that, that is okay. I, I can live with that. Right. And I can live, get so the episode finishes. Right. And this is, this is where we can now. Yes. So let's, as we, as we have discussed in previous episodes, we, we are ranking these, uh, beginning with the third, because it seemed like that was the time to do it. So, um, as of last week, mm-hmm. um, I think my list was three, four, two, one. That's correct. Yeah, Mings was slightly different. Mings was three, two, four, one. Right. Where are you this week? Um, the, the lineup hasn't changed except that one is not the worst episode. Five is the worst episode. Um. I, I definitely come in along the lines of for, for those that don't know what that means. That means that three is my favorite episode, two is my second favorite episode, four is my third favorite episode, one is my fourth favorite episode, and five is my fifth favorite episode. Is at the bottom of the pile. Um, I, I kind of this show has a lot of goodwill from me, bro. It has garnered a lot of goodwill from me because I. Yeah, I grew up watching this show. I grew up watching Mulder and Scully. They're characters I care deeply about. Um, episode three, we have agreed, is the best episode by quite a bit. It's yes. fucking phenomenal, right? Um, and up until this week, one, which, like I said before, I still... I'd still defend that first episode, even though I put it at the bottom. I defend it in that. How do you do that episode? I don't know how you do that episode. So I don't. I think would argue not like that. I, I yeah, I would argue with forty-five minutes and two hundred episodes to acknowledge that I exist and introducing characters back and all the rest. I think they did all right with that. I don't think they did great with that. I don't think they did bad with it either. I think people that are moaning overlay about just how all over the place and how scatty it was. I, I I think you're being uncharacteristically mean on an episode which is, is trying to find its foot and then it is trying to almost kind of reset the, the odometer for where we're going to go. So I can forgive it, those things. This is episode number five. Right? Number one's taken the bullet for you. You know, it was Operation Human Shield. It has taken the bullet for the rest. You know, it's, it's taken the bullet for the rest of this, the rest of this series, to really explore and find its feet and do things. And I think all the episodes have done that to one extent or another, except this episode. I don't think this episode finds its feet at all. I don't think it kind of knows what its feet is. I, I, I think it knows what its message is. I just don't think at any point even begins to put it forward in a way which feels like in keeping with the X-Files or feels like it's actually communicating that with adults um, at all. And yes, the five-minute sequence in the middle of it is glorious. It's fucking brilliant. It's one of the best things I've seen in the X-Files ever. Right? Just, it was just, it was a, it was a, to, to steal a phrase that you've used a few times, Bo, it was a pure joy to watch. It's absolute, it's a pure joy, a pure good, right? That's what that bit was, Right? But the surrounding 40 minutes is 
Board, it's not even mediocre. It's it's below mediocre. Mediocre is the bits where it actually starts to become watchable, and those were only a few bits. Um, <laughs> so so yeah, I I cannot I cannot forgive. There there are sequences, whole sequences in that first episode where we meet the the you know the woman who's like been genetically scarred by aliens, or the the kind of even though he wasn't greatly played, the kind of. Glenn Beck character, um, the reintroduction of the Skinner character, um, Mulder and Scully kind of try to get through. Even Scalder's mental rant about describing how the government had been behind it all was more entertaining and more in keeping with the X Files than anything out with that five minute, that five minute description, uh, or that five minute episode that we had in this episode. It's better. It's better. It's ha- it's, it's it's almost laughably better. Um, and that highlights how bad this episode is. Duncan, you ignorant slut. Um, <laughs> no, I, I don't. You're, that you're, is not. I, I think. I think you're. Def, I think. I know. Part of it. The the part. The part of me that loved what this episode did well wants this episode to be better than episode one but critically it's not if you re- review it with a critical eye review it from a writing point of view review it from the way it's shot the way it's acted and all the rest it is not a good episode Bo. I an episode yeah, you're not wrong interacted characters yeah I mean I get it but if I were going to watch one of these episodes again <laughs> I would watch this one again You'd, no if you watch this episode again you would fast forward it to the middle I would, I mean, yeah, but I'm saying if if you were going to nail my feet to the ground and say you have to watch an entire episode, I'm still going to watch episode five over episode one because I know there are the highs in, in episode five are dizzying, Duncan. Absolutely nosebleed dizzying highs in this episode as opposed to episode one, which is overall a better episode. Yes, but it doesn't. It doesn't have the peaks that five does, and and by peaks I mean a peak. Yeah, um, that's a, a peak. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I I respect where you're coming from, but episode one had episode one had alien hybrid military aircraft yes. and shit like that, which was cool. That was cool as fuck. So yeah, I, but I, it's, plus, it, I, I it, agree. It was great seeing the gunman again and it was great seeing Mulder trip out and And Tom I, Waits. I to th- yeah, Tom Waits right, Tom Waits, but I juxtapose that with fucking honky tonk Badonka Donk and Billy Ray Cyrus. Fuck this episode. Fuck it. <laughs> but alright so my, even more you're making me hate even more bro. So my my order then Duncan would be three, four, three, four, two, five, one, and one in five, depending on the day, could swap. <laughs> if if I'm thinking more critically instead of with my heart, because that's my problem, Duncan. Too much heart. It's <laughs> it's the it's the complaint that has been levied against me over and over and over again. I just have too much love inside me. Uh, yeah, I, I've said it. I've said it many, many times. And yeah, we know from previous episodes where old men dying of cancer singing songs um, do nothing for me at all. Oh, are you I, kidding? I have you no heart. You really have something fundamentally wrong with you. Like you're you're broken in a way that can't be fixed. But yeah, but that's the, the irony of the song is you know the irony of that is that the guy was trying to fix me in his song. I know. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and couldn't. 
Couldn't. Couldn't, couldn't do it for me. The what power of Coldplay uh, could not compel you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, as, yeah. This episode, I, I, right. I, it's got its big I, problems, I but. Or now. I, I, I come on fe- feeling fairly positive, and the more I've talked about it, the more I dislike it. And I think, yeah. I, I, let me put it this way now. I've said, right, to me, thus far, three has justified it coming back. Absolutely. Right? If no X-Files happen beyond this point, I am, as a bold statement, episode six better be some best episodes of the X-Files I've ever fucking seen. Greatest cliffhanger ever written. Fucking Mark Twain shit to do. Because at the moment, the to use an American you know, to use your vernacular, as bad and average is bad. Like, really, yeah. it's, it's, and it's not, it's, like, episode two, I think, thus far, episodes two and three are the most X-Files episodes that we have actually I, had. I don't two, know, that last episode, yeah, uh, I think it's uh, Home Again is real X-Files-ass X-Files. Yeah, yeah, but... I think about the times when someone was ill or dying in the X-Files during its original run, and I can't remember anything as goofy being put around those episodes ever. There wasn't, there was never anything right. as goofy as that. So uh, I, I, I then come back to what I think of, like that second episode is a very serious episode. And I think it works for being a very serious episode. I think three is a very silly episode, and it works for being a really silly episode. Um, I think four has elements that make it an X-Files episode. Half of that episode is very X-Files, and the other is another different X-Files episode, which have crammed together. Um, part four, uh, part five, episode five is, to me, some of the worst X-Files. It's indicative of like season eight, like really just badly written and like running out of steam. It felt like it was running out of steam. It felt like it was almost kind of, it, it was slowly sinking into quicksand and it was grabbing onto any sort of object you could get to. And it just so happened to grab the fucking, the read of fucking Islamophobia um, to pull itself back out. And this is what the story became. It just is really, it was, Pishly written. It was bad. Um, and that, that brings me back to episode one. And episode one kind of feels to me like about six season debuts of the X-Files all crammed right. in. And that, that's the problem. And, and we've got a lot of ground to cover in this last episode, too. So there is the like the over-under on the final episode being overstuffed like that first episode is yeah, i think is danger. yeah and and that's my big problem with it like it, as as badly written as this episode can be uh speaking of episode five at least it has a clarity of purpose yeah and and, and yeah yeah so i i give it a little bit of credit for that but it's sort of like when you come home and the dog hasn't peed on the rug and you're real proud of your dog for that. Yeah. As opposed to, oh, I came home and my dog ate the remote control. That is the only way I can turn on my television. Yeah. 
You know, it's like I'm only happy that the the show succeeded in basic narrative structure. (laughs) Yeah, like I was kind of thinking about this when when watching the episode and like really focusing on the bits I didn't like. I was thinking if this was any other TV show, would I be watching this? And the answer is no. If this was any other TV show, I would not be watching it. But as and there's two there's two sides to this coin. One I have to watch because I'm doing this show with you, but. The second side of this coin is I'm so invested in Mulder and Scully as characters that, you know, I will follow them to hell and back on board of alien spaceships, uh, being kidnapped by the government and even in poorly written shitty episodes. That's how far I'll follow them. There's only so much you can push me along that, though, before eventually I will question how I'm... And and once again, I've said it before, we're now in a golden age of TV where the ratio of really well-written, really well-acted TV shows is high. Like, on any given night, you can watch some of the best-written TV you've ever seen. Yep. And The X-Files is now playing in that market. When The X-Files first came up, that was not the case. Um... So you kind of need to do something different and be bold. And they, they did it with episode three. Episode three was bold. Um, they did it to an extent with episode two. Um, it was kind of bold. They did it to an extent with episode four. It was kind of bold. Episode five, you may you may want to sit there and say on paper, the central message is a bold thing to cover on a TV show. If you cover it right... Right, uh, right, and not like a child. You draw like the, this is the television equivalent of a child's crayon drawing about Islamophobia. Oh, it, it really fucking is. It, it kind of, it just, it just felt, yeah. And so then I, I then come back to what will they do in episode six? And the one thing we don't know is what the end game of bringing the X Files back is. Is it to greenlight more? x-files and if so they don't actually have to stuff the episode six with all that much they could maybe potentially tie up the 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 child story you know maybe track him down find he's with a loving family and that's them fine um and maybe touch on the the smoking man sets up something or maybe the smoking man adopted the kid i don't fucking know they could do something like that right and i would not feel like, oh, well, they, you know, they, they didn't tie up loose ends in the last episode. But if it was purely just to get six episodes of the X-Files out, then they're going to have to do everything. They're going to have to do absolutely everything in this last episode. They're going to have to cover what happened to the internet guy who went missing. The, they're going to have to cover the, the aspects of no one acknowledged that the woman died, um, the girl from the first one. Uh, they're right. going to have to acknowledge what exactly the smoking man is doing, why he's there, you know, how he survived, why is he in a mansion when the last time we saw him... And let's had... not forget about the, the man-made alien conspiracy. Yeah. Where like that... and, and plus their kid. Like, yeah, there's just... There's too way much. too much ground. 45-minute episode, there is too much to do. So, to me, the logical thing to do is imagine that this is used as a almost like a is almost put out as a run of shows to green light more shows um and if that is the intention then they don't have to stuff it full they just have to give us enough to make us watch x-files next year 
which is a sensible thing to do, but these episodes have already been done, and I don't think anyone, I don't think Chris Carter expected the show to come back as popular as it did. I imagine they expected to have a bit of goodwill, but the numbers that the first two episodes got, and I think it's still doing quite well. I don't think it's yeah, getting Yeah, I think it's million. doing real well, yeah. Yeah, I think it's doing well, which, you know, I'm surprised that Fox have not made a statement by now. They're usually pretty quick to jump the gun. Um, that I imagine that he's going to be open to doing some more X-Files. I but... think they need to do a Beneath the Planet of the Apes with the last episode, <laughs> and you just have it blow up at the end. The whole planet, just a, a burning <laughs> yeah. cinder. Yeah. <laughs> and then you don't have to wrap everything up. It's just like, well... You know, there's a lot of unfinished business, although it's real finished now. Yeah, it's it just it, it, I I am pensive about next week. I, I, I genuinely have concerns, and it's not because of episode five. I, 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 I didn't like episode five, but there is quite a lot of other episodes that I have liked and fill. You know, at least one full episode that I love dearly have come out of this. It's just I'm now being practical to say they they set up so much in that first episode. Like so much yep. got mentioned in that first episode that, you know, o- o- Operation Human Shield might become Operation Anchor Round the Leg and Thrown Into the Lake. You know what I mean? It, it might be the thing that actually drags, you know, Operation Concrete Slippers. That that might be what the last <laughs> episode is. You know what I mean? That like, it might it might actually end up if it's if it's not done the right way, it may actually make me hate the first episode. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I, yeah. Because the first episode is set up so much that this last episode can never do. Because I didn't know how the rest of the show was going to go out. I kind of thought they'd touch on some of these issues, and all they've really touched on is the kid, and that's not been resolved. If no. they if you think that the end of the last episode, where Scully with the earpiece from Mr. Soapbox telling her, you know, did she treat her kid like rubbish when she got rid of them? If they think that resolves that, that doesn't resolve fuck all for me. We now need to see them track down that kid. That has to happen. You've set up in such a way that that needs to happen. Or we need a, like, a prolonged sequence over a computer screen where they manage to track down the family that have done it and maybe even a phone call, you know, or like Skype, fucking FaceTime. If or, or she just is outside of like whatever shitty job her kid is working. Yeah. You know, yes. and just seeing him. Yeah. Like that's the other thing I was going to bring up is that, you, you know, we talked about all the things that the last episode needs to do in terms of plot, but let's talk about the emotional resolutions. Like, are Mulder and Scully getting back together? Is Mulder going to be okay? Or is he going to go off the deep end again? Is, is, you know, can Scully walk away from this child? What about, can they walk Can they walk away from the X-Files again? Do you get the feeling at any point, either one of them is dissatisfied with being back on the X-Files? Right. Well, especially from the, like the, the home again episode. Yeah. Um, you know, there's that, uh, the line about like you know this is this is the back in the day and you know there's a lot of uh, those moments between them where it seems like they really enjoy what they're doing. Yeah, so uh, they're not. They, they, I, there's nothing that will happen that will make me believe that they'll just step away from the X Files in the next episode. So it has to it has to carry on to make any sort of sense. So yeah, I, I just. It, I know I, it's. I can't, I can't wait. To, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see it. There and are I can some. Only hope that they give us the ending. Or they, they give us. <laughs> they do the dark night on us, and they give us the ending that we deserve, not the one that they want. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, I I mean, there's a chance for Chris Carter to do, like, really pull a rabbit out of his hat here. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's also a chance that he pulls out, like, a dead half-eaten rabbit <laughs> from, said ra- from said hat and and makes all of us vomit in our seats. Yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be... It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting, and there's a lot. There's a lot at stake for me on this last episode. Fox will not give a fuck if the numbers are high. The numbers are high. It could be critically panned. It could be described as the worst thing that's ever happened—an abomination on television. Um, if the ratings are high enough, there will be a you know there will be the option there for more X Files as, yeah. as a guarantee. Yeah. But if I'm Chris Carter. And the X-Files is my creation, and the X-Files is my gift to the world, which has put so much into the the lexicon of our language now, you know, like, as the like, people that grew up in that time frame. Um, I feel a bit of responsibility towards that, and my responsibility is not to fuck it up. Um, and at the moment, he is not filling me with the confidence that I need that would make me feel comfortable going into the last episode that he's not going to fuck it up. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I never, even, even when we, even when we recorded last week, I didn't think, I, I, I've constantly sat there and thought, well, the next episode could be shit. Um, but I never kind of thought that I would feel the way I feel now about things moving into the last episode where it's really, to me, this last episode is all or nothing. And like I say, I love episode three, and if that's what comes out of this, is that I have that one episode, then I'm happy. But the show needs to... The show needs to be better than episode five. Like, even at its oh, worst, it needs yeah, to be better 100%. than episode five. Yes. And the fact that, that that episode has made it into a limited run of six episodes those concerns for me you know what right. i mean like that like, was one of the six best stories they had to tell yes exactly exactly no one's telling me that they only just started thinking about x files episodes just before you know well we're getting the show back right we need to write six episodes that's not how it works i mean some of these stories will have been written like back when the show was done you know the first time around and they'll be modified and changed and updated and all the rest and ideas will be played with like as to me it's always that great analogy of the difference between an LP and an EP, right? So when a band releases an LP, there's a certain amount of kind of wiggle room to put filler on that, to put tracks that are maybe a bit more experimental or something you want to do because ultimately, as long as you have a good five or six songs on that that can be used as singles, your album will probably sell quite well. You can't do that on an EP. An EP is, you know, five, six songs max. So you can't have any filler on that EP. That EP has to be great song after great song after great song because there's less of it. So, you know what I mean? You you don't have that wiggle room. This is an EP series compared to an X-Files LP of 24 episodes. So these six episodes need to be the best six episodes that the X-Files can produce in 2016. And at the moment, I think we are. I am. I am maybe fifty percent happy with the season overall. Um, and moving into that last episode, that ratio is that that percentage needs to be higher. It needs to be much higher. Um, and yeah, I still I, can't I, wait I, to see it though. I can't, I'm still I can't, excited I, about it. I, I cannot wait to see how they finish this up. This has been 
over a year in the, the talking for me and you, the, the news has come out. We've finally got Mulder and Scully back on screen. It feels great to have them back. How do we finish this chapter? And only one person knows that, and that's Chris Carter. So uh, and we'll need to wait till next week to find out. All right, uh, there we have it. Our, uh, our our last episode coming up, I would like to remind our listeners uh, to hit us up on legionpodcasts.com uh, and also facebook.com forward slash legionpodcasts and uh, ask us any questions that you would like about uh, X-Files or our opinions or, you know, if, if one of us has a funny looking toe, whatever it happens to be. <laughs> um, <laughs> mine is the little one. Um <laughs> But uh, we thank you, as always, uh, for listening. Duncan, uh, where can uh, people get a listen at you? Um, my, my main show, the podcast Under the Stairs, is out there. You can check it out on iTunes, Stitcher, our webpage, tputzcast.com. Um, we're also on Legion Podcast Network, so you can check out the show through there. And don't forget, I have a new show, Chronicle Podcast. It's on Legion Podcast. It's exclusive through there. Um, it's looking at European horror cinema. This season, we're looking at vampire movies. We have two episodes out. Second episode just dropped this week. Um, first episode covered Nosferatu a Symphony of Horrors, second episode Vampire from 1932 and the stories that, that run behind it which are just as equally interesting as the movie itself Yeah, it's a fantastic show I know I said it last week uh, it, it remains true uh, Oh, thank you Yeah, and it's really good um, You should listen to it, uh, and I'm not talking to Duncan I'm talking to you, listeners <laughs> Duncan's already listened to it he, he listened to it when he said it Um Although that would go against the idea that he doesn't hear himself talk sometimes. Um, <laughs> so if you want to uh, to listen to my stuff, go to legionpodcasts.com uh, and you can hear me on Duncan and Bo Come Correct and uh, kind of guesting on, on various shows, uh, Grave Shift Radio. Um, you can also hear me on the Shodcast, which is uh, all about video games. Um, by which I mean it's almost not about video games at all, it turns out. Uh, it, last episode, it was more about prostitute jokes. So take that as you will. Um, and and finally, because Duncan uh, reminded me last week, uh, February 26th, Lost After Dark, the the movie that uh, I co-wrote and co-executive produced. Uh, by all means, uh, check that out when it hits the UK in yeah. a DVD format on the 26th. Uh, shame about the Blu-ray. Sorry about that. If you need a Blu-ray... Um, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't surprise me, though, Bo. Um A lot of titles like that just make their way over in DVD format to this country and not not Blu-ray. So if uh, if you live in the UK and would like a Blu-ray copy, uh, send me a message and then give me some money and I will send you a Blu-ray because I'm that yeah. kind of guy. Make sure you have a, <laughs> a multi-region player, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> naturally. Yeah, um, yeah. I've seen. I, I own the Blu-ray. Um, I've seen it. It looks pretty spectacular in Blu-ray. So, yeah, yeah. The Blu-ray is definitely the way to see it, in, in my opinion. Um, or uh, if we're, we're working on a virtual reality version, um, <laughs> where you're just right in the thick of things, like you, you right. get the, the, the blood right on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then there's the alternate version where uh, you just uh, call me on Skype and I tell you what happens. Um, which is not the ideal format, I'll be honest with you. Um, but it, it, it does exist. So um, check us uh, both out on legionpodcast.com. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at legionpodcast. 
Thank you uh, very much for for listening. And if you uh, are enjoying the show, leave us a review on iTunes and and also uh, you know. Tell some people you know about uh, us rambling about the X-Files. And this episode, strangely enough, twice as long as the episode that we're talking about. So um, we, we obviously <laughs> had a lot to I say. That's I need it. <laughs> um, quiet, you. And then uh, <laughs> next episode will be uh, your questions and uh, a kind of a wrap-up on uh, this EP season of the X-Files, um, to coin a phrase. I... I wish someone else had said that before because it's so smart. Um, but clearly it was me that said it. Um, all right, guys. Thank you very much. We will talk to you in exactly one week. And uh, and, and then we're done. So uh, we will we will light the uh, the Viking pyre for uh, for this this season of X-Files. Until then, uh, this is Bo and uh, Duncan saying goodbye. Say goodbye. Bye. Bye.